0: Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real Life Christian Church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real Life Messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper.
1: There's a certain mystique I sense about Christmas. And a mystique is a mystery, not a whodunit. We love whodunits, but it's just a mystery. It's like a holy awe. You sense something out of the ordinary. Even on secular TV, I see these on the secular TV movies. I think Cheryl and I watched every Hallmark Christmas movie there is, didn't we? (laughs) We watched them all. They're all pretty good, too. And um, it just seems even the secular writers sensed, you know, almost something special, almost something holy about this special day. And so and I, and I was thinking about this message. I, you, know, you know what came to mind? Psalm 8. Uh, I think David got into that mystique. He's the human author of Psalm 8 because he went out in the night sky and he's stand there looking at the night sky, looking at all the stars. He's saying, man, we've got this infinite God, this infinite, awesome, limitless God. I look at the stars and one end to the other. And then David wrote, verse 3, Psalm 2, Psalm 8, when I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, not even his hands or his right arm. (laughs) Creation is the work of his fingers. Isn't that something? When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. He's saying, you're awesome, God. You're limitless. You're infinite in your might, your power, your perfection. Then he says, what is man that you're mindful of? him? And the son of man that you even care about him you know i get into this mystique of christmas when i when i look at revelation 5 and i know i read this yesterday but man i just think about the come down revelation chapter 5 verse 12 it says, then I looked, I mean, this is a vision of heaven that God gave John the apostle. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands. And they sang in a loud voice saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. 10,000 times 10,000 saying, and worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth, uh, you know, wisdom, strength, honor, glory and praise. And on and on and on and on this praise in heaven went, that's what he had. That's what he had. He had the perfection of heaven, the worship of the angels. Jesus had no body, then he existed as a spirit. He had all power, all wisdom. He was present everywhere, still is. He was in the constant presence of God, his Father. He never knew pain or misery or anything like that. He had no limitations. And I think about that. And then, and you got to get into this, man. I just think about the come down in Luke 2. Just, you got to, l- l- let me just read this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was first made when this guy Quirinius was governor of Syria to the north of Israel, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, about 70 miles south, to Bethlehem, the city of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He was a descendant of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, who was expecting a child. Now, that's a big deal. Pledged to be married, no consummation, and expecting a child. And then verse 6, And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and gave birth to her firstborn a son and wrapped him in clothes or swaddling clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in an inn. I don't know if that grabs you like it grabs me. <laughs> you got to get out there and look at the sky and think who he is and what he became and entrusted himself to those two parents that his father chose and you pick a place and go look at a star-studded sky. Maybe it's about 35, 40 degrees outside. You're standing there alone looking at the night sky, and somehow you know you're not alone. That's the mystique of Christmas. I think Joseph sensed that mystique of Christmas too. I mean, he saw this nice guy. He led the donkey about 70 miles south on foot from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the city of his birth. He was going to register for a census commanded by the Roman Caesar Augustus. I don't think Mary sensed the mystique. I think, you know, that baby was coming. She just wanted this done, man, I'll tell you. And Mary kind of got into it maybe when she got into Bethlehem. I I, I see him getting there kind of late to this inn, whatever that inn was. And there was no room for them in that inn. Well, whatever that in was is not important. What is important is that somebody offered him a stable. Was it nippy outside? I have no idea. Did Joseph deliver the baby or did the people who provided the stable provide a midwife? That's a possibility. See, we got all these manger scenes, you know, but there's no midwife in there. And maybe somebody did provide a midwife. I have no idea. These are things we don't know. But this I know. On what I believe was a truly silent night and a holy night, God's son was born. And the young parents named him Jesus, which means Savior. And that's Luke 2, verse 7. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and placed him in a manger. And now the scene shifts. The mystique of Christmas, the holy uh, the, the, this the, this holy mystery, it seems to it, it shifts to shepherds, simple men watching their sheep not at Suttons Bay, Michigan, but under a sky on a hillside near Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is near Jerusalem, and the temple was in Jerusalem, and in that temple priests would offer animals of sacrifice for the sins of the people, and these shepherds were probably tending sheep that were going to be used as sacrificial animals for temple worship. And they were under a night sky. And I don't know. I don't know these things. But I kind of think maybe they sensed that this was a special night. Maybe there was something mysterious about the sky that night. Just, just, Just a sense, just something in the air, you might say. Maybe they said to each other, hey, do you guys... Do you get it? <laughs> Do you feel what I feel tonight? Is there something different? And then the angel answered all their questions, man. <laughs> did, did this angel in gleaming light and the first thing the angel said was fear not. He needed to say that because he'd blow him away, man. I'll tell you. It says it like this. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. Listen to this. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. That would blow you away. And the glory of the Lord turned round about them. And they, I like the King James here. They were sore afraid. And this is, they were terrified. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, guys. I bring, well, it doesn't say guys. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born. This is so personal. A savior has been born to you. I like that. Man, he is personal. He is Christ, which means the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You're going to find the babe wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And that was the message of the angels, I'll tell you. And then, then the entire sky lights up. Hark! The herald angels sing. And they come up with this message, man. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Now I've got all these angels appearing with this one angel and saying... The Bible says saying, we sing, hark the herald angels sing. So maybe they, I don't know if they sang or they, or, they, or, they, or they spoke. I think they sang, okay? And here's what they sang. Here's the message of the angels. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. And if you check that out in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek, it says this, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men with whom God is pleased. With whom God is pleased. So I asked the question, with whom is God pleased? Who pleases God? And the Bible tells us, all believers in Christ Jesus, they please God. All who accept him as their savior, upon them God's peace. That's what this word of God says. Upon them, God's peace will come. The promised savior was in the world. He'd been in Mary's womb for about nine months and now he was official, he might say. Now by his sinless life, his death, his resurrection, man, people could have peace. The mystique of Christmas, the holy mystery is the peace, the peace of Christmas. We want to talk about that. So let's define peace. How do you define it? It's a feeling that everything's cool, right? All is well. Is that peace? Maybe you and your husband finally settled the issue or you and your wife settled the issue. Finally Finally, you're talking again. Life is back to normal. There's peace in the home. That's peace. That's part of it. Because the dictionary says this, this dictionary definition, I'm making it real simple. The definition of peace is the absence of war. It's the absence of war. The absence of war between nations, the absence of war between people. The angels told the shepherds, there could now be peace, meaning there could be an absence of war. There could be an end to the war. That's what real peace is. So you ask yourself the question well, what's this war about? There is a war, man. Let's talk about that war. Let's talk about peace. Let's talk about the end of that war. See, peace is a gift. Peace is a gift that only men and women have, I mean real peace, that only people have with whom God is pleased. Now think, the only people who can have real peace, I mean God says this, not me, the only people who can have real peace are people who please God. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to whom? To those with whom God is pleased, okay? So the crucial question is what pleases God, or better yet, who pleases God? Isn't that the question, who pleases God? That's what we're talking about tonight. And now we need to get into some doctrine here, some biblical doctrine. But I, mean, I want to tell you something, man. This is the greatest truth ever spoken. We've got to go back to Adam and Eve. They rebelled against God because God said, don't eat of that tree. And what did Adam and Eve do? You know that. They willfully, knowledgeably ate the fruit of that tree. They knew exactly what they were doing, man. They ate. You know what they were saying? They were saying, in your face, God, we're going to eat. was it in your face, God, type thing. I mean, it was rebellion. It was sin. So what is sin? Sin is rebellion against God. And that created a hostility. That sin created a hostility between God and man. You got to get this now. It created that, that, that hostility between God and man or a war. And that sin was passed on to every human being ever to be born And so God and man are at war because of sin. In fact, it got so bad at the time of Noah that God destroyed the world through a flood, started over again. But that seed of sin was in man. And it grew and it festered and it grew and it festered. And the war goes on today. You may not all understand this. But you got to know this God is so perfect. He's without any fault, without any taint of sin. God is holy. And the word of God tells us that a holy God can't dwell with sin. you got to understand this. Like I said, this is doctrine. But doctrine leads to application. Please believe me when I say that God is holy. And the Bible teaches us that, that, that a holy God cannot dwell with sin. And so God created a hell. He created a hell. For the devil, all his devils are fallen angels. And for people who stand in willful, willful rebellion against him because of sin. Okay, that's the tough news, but now the good news. In deepest love, God the Father in heaven. Man, I hope you get this. In deepest love, God the Father in heaven became a man, a man in a manger. In Jesus, Jesus fought the battle with sin. Jesus came to earth and waged the war. He fought the battle with sin for us because he never sinned. I mean, I think about the fact that he never sinned. You know, I read these, I read the Gospels, man. I see those Pharisees at Jesus every day, man, taunting him, taunting him, trying to trip him in his words, trying to discredit him. Never did he have unrighteous anger toward those guys. Hey, I'll be honest, sometimes I pity myself. Oh, poor me. The world's against me. Nobody loves me. I remember the time, I remember the time Jesus is in his hometown, the town he was raised in, all the folk who knew him so well, and they try and throw him off a cliff because he's jealous. They're jealous. No self-pity. No self-pity. You know what else I remember? Hey, guys deal with lustful thoughts. They bring this lady. This is John chapter 8 probably a very attractive lady too, half clad, and they throw her at Jesus' feet and said, what are we going to do with her, Jesus? Never felt any lust, no lust. See, he waged war with sin, man. People interrupted him all the time. You know, they pulled on his robe, Jesus, I need you, Jesus, I need you, Jesus, I need you, they clamored for his attention. He never took his phone off the hook. (laughs) He never became impatient. And after a perfect life, the father engineered Jesus' death, the death of his son. And as Roman soldiers nailed him to a cross, Isaiah 53 says this, God's word, at that moment as they nailed him to a cross, God the father laid on Jesus the sin, the sin of all of us. And on that cross, sweet little baby Jesus, man, struggled with sin and battled with hell. And never cursed, never blamed his father. He forgave his tormentors. He committed himself to his father's care and he cried mightily and triumphantly, It is finished. And Jesus died. And then he rose. And the war with sin had been fought and won. You put your faith in him, man. You are the winner. You are the victor. You share that victory. Now the father says, he says, you come to me through my son, believing in him, trusting that he did that for you, allowing him to be your representative because you're not holy, nor am I, allowing him to be your substitute, and I will forgive your sins, and I will give you heaven forever, and I will give you my peace. That's where the peace comes in, the mystique of Christmas. Now, here's what that means, folks. Get this. It means you frankly admit to God. How do you get that peace? How do you come to God the Father through his Son? It means we frankly admit to God, I can't do enough good to earn your favor, God. But Jesus did do enough good. All I can do is trust that he lived perfectly and gave his life for me, his life for mine. Let that sink in, his life for mine, his life for yours, his life for yours. And here's what you do. You give up. You surrender. You say, God, I give up. There's some people here tonight who need to say that. You just say, Father in heaven, I give up. I surrender. I can't save myself. You know what you do? You wave a white flag. If you need to do this, man, you get on your knees and you surrender and you wave a white flag And you cry out, save me, help. And with that surrender, with that admission of guilt, with that that admission of an inability to save yourself, the grace of God comes. And with the grace of God, the indescribable peace of God. And folks, that be the only way you're going to get it. God's word says the peace that passes all understanding. You let him save you. See, now the war is over. Now the war is over. You waved the white flag. I want to show you the greatest peace passage in all Scripture. There ain't no better one, folks. This is Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Best peace passage in Scripture. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, that's trust, we have peace with God. That means there was a war. Peace means a war was there. No longer a war, see? Through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we gained access into his throne room and all that great stuff. And and, I mean, see, God the Father, because you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, justified you. You know what that means? That's a big term. It just simply means he's a judge. God the Father is like a judge. And and he pounded a gavel up in heaven. It's it's as if he pounded a gavel. And And he said of you, once you put your faith in Christ, not guilty of any and all sins. And for you, the war is over, and you have peace with God when that happens. And then you get to verse 2 of Romans chapter 5. This just gets better. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You know what that means? It means you rejoice in one day seeing and sharing the very glory of God's presence. Your life is a brand new direction, man. I mean, this is so good. This is so good. There is nothing in life that's better than this, man. Those with whom God is pleased. those who—and who And who is that? Those who have admitted, I can't save myself and they've received and made their own, all that Christ did, they get that peace. The angel's message to the shepherds, the meaning of Christmas, why did he come? Peace on earth, to those with whom God is pleased. So here's what it all means. Now let's apply this. What does it mean? It means when you have that peace, it means you have a settled peace at the core of your being. It means you have an anchor at the center of your life. You know and I know that lots of stuff is going to assault you. A lot of stuff is going to come from the demonic world, man. It's going to to shake, rattle, and roll you, man. And all that stuff is going to assault you. Regardless, regardless, folks, I'll tell you, we've got this anchor. Why? Because you've waved that white flag and accepted Christ, and your sins are forgiven. You've got this anchor. Let me say that again. You've got this anchor at the core of your being because you've waved that white flag and your sins are forgiven. You've got to think about Job chapter one. If you don't know the word of God, just trust me on this. Job chapter one, Zechariah chapter four, that tells us that Satan himself, God allows him into heaven and daily Satan or or, Satan represented by one of his demons is accusing us before God of our sins. He's saying, God, he's calling you by name. He said, God in heaven, you look at that person. Listen to their thoughts. See, listen to their thoughts. Listen to what they're saying. Look how selfish they are. And Satan is up there accusing you, demanding justice. Get them. Send them to hell. Or at least, at the very least, let me, let me at them. Let me do to them what I did to Job way back when. And God says, God the Father in heaven says, hey, you're accusing my, my kids. What sin? You're accusing them of sin. He said, there is no sin charged to my child. Hey, devil, you're ranting and raving about all this sin. You want me to judge? Why? I mean, what are you talking about? There is no sin charged to my child. Why should I punish my child? Or why, why should I turn you loose on my child? Because I already punished. Get this. I already punished. I already punished my own son for that sin. Father in heaven says that's Satan every day. That goes on every day. Day in, day out. Day in, day out. Father in heaven says, I already punished my son. Why should I turn you loose on him? See? See, now people may accuse you. Yeah, people may accuse you, and people may put you on a guilt trip. And i got to tell you up front, man, you need to listen to them. You need to listen to them, man. We need to take seriously what other people see in us. Don't just brush them off because there's lots of, if one person or two people see it, I guarantee you there's other people who see the same thing in you, and you need to change. I mean, so don't just blow off all this criticism and say, oh, this is all unjust. Come on. If people see it in you, if one person or two people see it in you, there's probably 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 100 who see it in you. And you need to change. But know this. Know that other people may condemn you. And there's a difference between criticism and condemnation. Know that other people may condemn you, but your heavenly Father doesn't. That's the big deal. No sin, no sin, hear me, no sin will ever, 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 ever condemn you, not not when you wave that white flag and accept Christ's death. See, because it's just as if you died. You paid the price for your sin, man. You hung on that wretched cross. Your blood dripped to the ground and mingled with the sand. There's mud there. I mean, blood and water and mud, you're... This is if you died, but you didn't see he died in your place. He died for you. And now you have the guarantee of eternal life and nothing. I mean, zero. I mean, zilch. We talked about, we're talking about the blessings of this peace, man. First thing is your sins are forgiven. And this is the the, the second thing is man. Nothing, zero zilch will ever, ever, ever take away your eternal life. You've got that guarantee. You've got that assurance. And just knowing that brings peace. We're talking about peace. So, your sins are forgiven. Nothing's ever going to contemn you. Second is, man, you've got eternal life, and that gives you enduring peace. I mean, just if you think you can lose it, I just want you to listen to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they, then they follow me. And I give them eternal life. Now, hear this. I know my sheep. They follow me. I give them eternal life. Now, 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 now get this. And they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. No one snatches them out of my hand. No one snatches them out of my Father's hand. You will never perish. I and my Father are one. Well, I mean, listen, folks, there is not an unbeliever in this world Oh, they they, they will tell you they don't worry about eternal life. They will tell you that they think everybody's going to heaven. They will tell you, I mean, they'll put their life on the scales and say, I'm a good person, so I'm going to heaven. I'll tell you what, if they haven't committed to Christ, they're lying. They are lying to you. They don't really believe that there is not an unbeliever in this world who doesn't wonder what's going to happen to me when I die. Is there really a heaven? Does everybody really go to heaven? Is it all pie in the sky? And they also wonder the opposite. Is what those Christian people say about hell really true? And can I afford to take the chance that it's true? And they wonder about that. And when you wonder about that, when you're thinking like that, is heaven pie in the sky? Is there really a hell? And you're thinking like that, you don't have peace. Come on. You're not at peace. There's no peace in your heart. There's no peace in your soul. And there can't be peace until you wave the white flag and surrender. That's all you got to do is wave that white flag. But once you belong to Jesus Christ by faith, you don't question that ever again. No man, nothing, no force can ever snatch you from the hand of the one who came from heaven and earth to make you his own forever. We just I just read that in John in John 10, man. No one.
0: Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at RLCC. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.